So we really have to be educators first. We have to document, document, document. We're very heavily dependent on the forms inside of Service Titan. We take a lot of photos. There's a lot of autofill options there. And then we have to disclose that to the customer. And then, of course, then we tell them how much it is to fix it. You're listening to Toolbox of the Trades, brought to you by Service Titan, a podcast for top service professionals where we interview leaders for their best tips and tricks of the trades. Learn how industry trailblazers stay ahead of the competition and how you too can be at the forefront of an industry. Let's jump in. Hello, contractors, and welcome to the Toolbox for the Trades. I've got a super informative episode for you today featuring the owner of Magic Broom Chimney Sweeps and Tri-County Hearth and Patio, Josh Kelly, who is officially the first chimney sweep we've had on the podcast. I know that a lot of you struggle with sharing and updating your standard operating procedures, aka SOPs, and honestly, I think Josh has mastered it. During today's episode, we go into detail on the Google products he leverages to share information across his team. We also talked about why you need to create custom brochures when distributors sell products on retail sites like Amazon and Walmart, and how to use YouTube to reduce your number of callbacks. I hope you enjoy today's conversation as much as I did. Josh Kelly, owner of Magic Broom Chimney Sweeps and Tri-County Hearth and Patio in Waldorf, Maryland. Welcome to the Toolbox for the Trades podcast. Thank you for having me. I am super excited to chat with you today. You have a really interesting approach to SOPs. You do some really cool stuff with customer shores and you utilize YouTube in a really wonderful way. And I can't wait to dig into all of these topics on today's episode. But before we do, I'm going to ask you the question I ask all of our guests. How did you get into the trades? Nepotism. <laughs> I mean, that's an answer. My, my dad started this in uh, 1978 and I had a few other jobs outside of college and really was building other people's business or not really so much in the commercial banking world, but I was pretty good at solving problems and fixing things and researching and had the opportunity to build something for myself really and truly. Got it. So how did that work out that your father was in this business? Did you take over the business from him? Did you start your own? What did that look like? Well, my father was running the uh, distribution business and if he was in the same building, one of us would be dead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we don't communicate well. But no, I was working and still work some with my mother, but I run all the day to day things here. But no, my dad has been retired for quite some time and our relationship is better because of it. Got it. So he was on the distribution side of the chimney business, whereas you were more on the service and replacement side of the business. Correct. So more customer focused. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about the difference between Magic Broom Chimney Sweeps and Tri-County Hearth and Patio. Before we started recording, I asked you how you wanted to be introduced and you've got these two names. What are the difference between the two? How do they both operate and what does that look like for the business? So Magic Broom is our service company. That's how we originally started, like I said, back in the 70s. That primarily focuses on cleaning and services, hearth appliances, chimney cleanings, inspections, fixing water entry and fixing gas and pellet and wood stove appliances. That's its primary focus. The retail store, we specialize in selling hearth appliances. So we have a recently remodeled large showroom here that focuses on showcasing appliances, outdoor furniture, and high-end barbecues. 
Nice. So one side of it is a service and replacement. The other side is retail. Correct. Got it. So tell me about these businesses. Like, do you consider them, do they all fall under one umbrella or are you operating them like two separate entities? They all fall under one umbrella, but I try to operate them as two separate entities because the Magic Broom technicians install all the appliances for the Tri-County store. So there's some overlap there. Got it. All right. So let's actually talk brass tax when we talk about the business as a whole, both Magic Broom and Tri-County. What's your annual revenue for the business, number of techs? And I guess technically in terms of locations, you have obviously the showroom and do you have more than one HQ for the service side? That's all done in one place right here, but we do have some remote, we're, we're trying remote locations out kind of locally. So we're can work out the logistics of all that. Got it. And in terms of annual revenue, number of techs, what does that look like? Two and a half million and six techs. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, I said that includes both stores too. So it's still congratulations. It's still, it's still, I'm very impressed. So tell me about the sales workflow for chimney and hearth and like how it differs from standard service and replacement for HVAC plumbing garage door, you know, historically service Titan, our core industries have been plumbing HVAC electrical garage door, but chimney really breaks off into a different type of workflow. So tell me what that difference is and what my audience of toolbox for the trade should know about your type of business. So our workflow, when, most people don't know, they're just call, usually calling for maintenance, let's say for chimney cleaning. They don't know that there's problems with their chimney until after we do the inspection. So we have to be able, and, and again, most people don't understand the function of a chimney or the different parts of it. So we really have to be educators first. We have to document, document, document. We're very heavily dependent on the forms inside of Service Titan. We take a lot of photos. There's a lot of autofill options there. And then we have to disclose that to the customer. And then, of course, then we tell them how much it is to fix it. Got it. So it's a lot of, I mean, quite frankly, I never grew up in a house that had a chimney. So I also don't know what a chimney serves. What does a chimney serve? And this is a total selfish question. And I want to apologize to listeners who are like, what do you mean this girl doesn't know what a chimney does? What, what's your answer to that question? Well, the primary purpose is to remove combustion byproducts from the home. So carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, soot. Think you know smoke. That's its primary purpose. Secondary purpose is letting a um, you know a uh, once a year having a man go down it and leave presents for all the children at the house. Obviously, I'm sure you've never heard a Santa joke in your life, Josh. No, um, <laughs> but here we are. All right. So from what it sounds like, and I, I I mentioned this in the intro, but you are our first chimney sweep guest on Toolbox for the Trade. So thank you for being so patient and wonderful with that question. Let's talk about kind of these three big things that I teased at the beginning. The first really I want to talk about is the custom brochures you created for your business, because as you mentioned, education is such a crucial part. It sounds like a lot of homeowners these days, they either, they're not, a chimney isn't something they're like, my house needs to have a chimney. It sounds like they kind of already have it or they don't. What did the custom brochures. Tell me about why you created them and what problem they solved for your business. So a lot of it, you know, we're selling sometimes just a service and a, there was nothing on the market. When we started building crowns, according to Brick Institute of America standards, there was literally no marketing pieces there. So my first one was an eight and a half by 11 trifold 
and it was just kind of explaining, you know, what we were doing was different and what the warranties were, things like that. Cause there were basically part of it's just pouring your pouring concrete up on someone's roof, which doesn't sound so bad, but when you start carrying 50 pound buckets up on the ladder up, then up the roof and you know, there's a lot of work there. So that was the very first one. And from there, some of the products we use are heavily trafficked on Amazon, walmart.com, things like that. They're pro-grade products. There's a distributor out there that decided, well, we're just going to, they literally sell at the same price I buy at online. Wow. So if you keep handing out manufacturer's brochures and the product's a commodity, well, now the selling process becomes a lot harder. So all of a sudden it's like, well, how many gallons of this material are you putting on my chimney? You know, it's this so-and-so much this on the, you know, up there. It's like, well, that's not really what you're paying for. You're really paying for the time, experience. You got to be standing there on a ladder, applying the material. And, you know, this, all the other stuff that goes into running a business is what you're really paying for, not just, you know, the $200 they can buy it on Amazon for. So I got really tired of that conversation. And I did that for a few other services. And so what I did was I rebranded. I came up with my own names. I would sit there with um, thesaurus.com and I would type in different words until I found something that I liked. And I did that for stainless steel liners because, again, there's a lot of minutia in there and stainless steel liners. And same thing, if I hand out a manufacturer's brochure, it's online. So why why go through all that? Well, uh, I can buy this online for 200 bucks. Well, no, you're not really buying the same thing, but it's just a, a terrible way to start the conversation. And here in the showroom, you know, I have, I think, 30 fireplaces. And, you know, when someone comes in and we learn this, if the price of just the fireplace itself is on there, and then you start building in everything else that goes on afterwards, like, well, I really want the stone and I really want this mantle and I want it installed. It's going to be a custom install and I need venting and I need this, you know, expensive face. Well, that really doesn't reflect the total value because it really starts the conversation in a negative place. Mm. So, and we've learned that, you know, just recently after our showroom remodel is like, well, now I can actually move someone into the higher end fireplaces because the conversation doesn't start so negatively. Yeah. Um, so we've been able to make that transition. So I stopped getting the phone calls and my CSRs myself aren't always constantly having to defend ourselves, you know, why we're right with the brochures. Cause we're not, again, we're not giving out that, brand information for someone just to because if and if it was me like i hired a plumber the other day and i'm like babe it's a seven dollar part but it's going to be three hundred dollars labor to put it on like but i know it because i'm in the trades yeah but the consumer isn't you know isn't aware of everything else that goes on to orchestrating to getting there having the part and the experience to put it on because I've known the plumber that does my plumbing work for many years and I'm like, I'm happy to pay him because he gets it done and it gets done right. So totally. So basically you develop these custom brochures in lieu of the manufacturer's brochures. Cause what, what you were experiencing was you'd hand out these manufacturing dis- brochures, distributor brochures, folks would see the name and they would just go into Google or you know, their preferred search engine. And they would see that the cost that you were 
from them as an uninformed consumer, not aware of how service businesses work. They see, why is this guy charging me $1,000 for this part that online is only $200? And that was putting you in a position where you essentially had to justify and explain how business works to a consumer. And so by creating these custom brochures that took out the branding and the specific distributor models, you were able to position your techs and your business as we are the experts when it comes to installing these chimneys. Do you really want to go ahead on your own roof and try to install this on your own? And so that really removed the conversation that you were having and your CSRs were having. Exactly. And then one thing I always say is the brochures are structured as a education format, not so much a selling format. There's no place to put pricing or anything like that on there because I wanted them to be the trusted source of information. So I go through and I have custom graphics made to make sure I get my point across, but I'm really trying to control that information as well. Make sure I bring home, bring home the point of why they need to get this done. Not so much that the product's going to fix it, but that we're going to fix it. Got it. Yeah. I love that subtle shift between the product's going to fix it. No, we're going to fix it. And that's what happened when I first chatted with you a couple months ago. So talk to me a little bit about how you train your techs to really present themselves as the trusted source of information. And I imagine that also falls to the guys who are in your showroom and the ladies that are in your showroom and the folks that are running your phones. How do you train them to really, is it, do you kind of hand them the brochures and say, memorize these, or is there any kind of training that you, that you give them to kind of get them in that mindset so they can become the trusted source of information? Well, I've um, backstopped a few of these brochures with, with custom YouTube videos that I had made. And what I, what I do is, since I have custom images in there, I like the guys to use the custom images to be able to point out, all right, here's your inspection port on the left-hand side and on the right-hand side, I've got this brochure laid out on the counter. And I can walk them through all parts of it. And it kind of just to bring everything home for the consumer that, okay, we're on this part of your chimney and then here's, here's why it's wrong. And cause what I'll do is I'll put pictures of what the damage is. One of them, we do that for water entry because it shows all the varying different degrees of water entry. And we're like, look, your chimney is doing this. And you know, here's the picture, here's your trusted source on the other side. So they can really see it side by side that, okay, now we really do have a water entry problem. Got it. And one thing I really want to call out is the fact that you created custom images, which says that these are more or less patented. They belong to Magic Broom and Tri-County. So folks can't just Google and be like, where's that really cool graph of that chimney that that technician showed that showed to me? Can you tell me the process a bit about how you're going about getting these custom images created and what that looks like in terms of expenses? Well, I work with a designer in Spain, actually, and I will tell anybody that my relationship with my designer in Spain was a lot better than my relationship with any designer I've had in the U.S. And the reason for that, being an early bird like myself and graphic designers or night owls, you're just communicating through emails. You can't actually talk to each other. And that's a very frustrating process. You know, you're like, why aren't you up when I'm up? And, you know, like, well, that's not the creative mind person. They're I've never known anybody with a creative mind who is up at 4 a.m. with the rest of us. Like, that just doesn't happen. But my guy in Spain is constantly texting me at 7 a.m. my time because he's still up in Spain or 
you know, or he just got up or whatever. But I'm getting, I get emails of when I'm thinking like, oh my God, why aren't you in bed? But, but it's like my time because he's six hours ahead. So for me and him, we, for his English, not being his first language, we seem how to get stuff done with this. And I'm able to somehow communicate to him. We'll get on screen chairs. I'll show him something. I'll show him this. And it's really worked really well. So much more than like I said, working with someone in the States, because I can actually get that FaceTime with them. Got it. And that, again, I just want to, for the folks that may be like, what are you saying? Why are you outsourcing labor? Not to, uh, to your country, uh, to where you live. Just in case we have any people thinking about that. I mean, it's really, it sounds like you found out, like I needed to work with a designer that it works on my schedule. And that's really what you're trying to convey, right? Well, I, I found him, yeah, and that's right. And that's absolutely the first message. But I, I mean, he's, he's not my full-time, he doesn't work full-time for me. He's piecemeal. So I said, okay, well, how much to do this? And we get a budget together and, and then we make something. I said, well, what about this? And he throws a price out me and I, okay, that's great. And because he's piecemeal, it's, it's worked, you know, really great for us. Got it. Very nice. All right. So we've got these custom brochures that your technicians, that your showroom operators, your CSRs, everyone has to really help communicate that your business is, you're the experts. You know, you're not just paying for this product. You're also paying, you're paying for our expertise. We're the ones who are going to fix it. It sounds like given your experience in the chimney space, you've learned a lot of things. You've seen a lot of things happen. You're pretty savvy at business. I want to now pivot the conversation a bit to your approach to SOPs. And so why don't you tell me a little bit about where there were issues and problems you were running to in terms of SOPs and how you eventually resolved it and how you did that with Google Sites. So obviously getting SOPs adopted throughout the entire company, where they live was always, it's always a challenge for every company because even in this modern day and age, um, I know someone like she keeps binders all around her business and I'm like, Oh my God, what do you do when you have to update, you know, your handbook? She's like, well, we say it's been updated and we send out a letter and everybody signs it and we all go on with life. And I'm like, but you know, especially if you're field tech and you're not in the office every day, like, what do you like? That's not really feasible because some, I imagine, especially in, I mean, we usually see our guys every day because they're usually looking for materials, things like that. They're their appliances to install. But I imagine if you're just doing straight service, you don't have to come in every day. Well, I need to call out. What do I, what is this? What is that policy? What is that policy? So, I mean, I started putting them in Google Drive years ago. And I learned that, you know, Google Docs was highly searchable. You know, you just type in a few keywords and usually you can pull it up. Three years ago, we were training new CSRs. We were pretty close to our busy season. I was like, well, how do I get this in a, in a format that, the CSR can understand, they can access quickly. There was a company, I believe it's called Blackburns, my friend Jerry told me about years ago, that wrote things, wrote them in HTML code. Which, yeah. <laughs> Is, uh, yeah, HTML code. Not exactly the easiest thing to document materials no. in. <laughs> no, and then I went back to when I was in college, and I was like, well, we did write those websites in Google Word. I mean, not Word, in Word documents. And I was like, can we still do that? And I was like, do I, do I really want to learn that process again? Like that was a long time ago. And, um, 
from some stumbling around, I was looking at some other platforms. What was I going to do? Because I, I certainly wasn't going to write code, and I certainly wasn't going to do it in, in in a Word doc. And then I stumbled across Google Sites. I was already a, a Google um, G Suite user at the time. Now it's Workspace. And I started playing with it, and I was like, oh, this is this is really stupid easy. So it really started, I, um, and, and the original website, well, I really started putting the CSR documents on there, all the F, with FAQs and their workflows and things like that. And, the, and I just want to stop you right there real quick to show that that also was very helpful because it was one searchable. So the new CSR and training could just go on there and be like, oh crap, what's the call script in case someone's inquiring about X or Y? They could just go in and easily search it. And so this was, the goal at the beginning was, how can I get my CSRs information they can pull easily and quickly to close a call? Exactly. All right, sorry, continue. I didn't mean to interrupt. That's okay. That was That was the very first iteration. And I really had a lot of SOPs written before that. And the very first iteration of the website, we called it, What Would Josh Do? <laughs> and I bought the domain name, www.jd.pro, as a shortcut. Because you've ever used Google Sites, the, the domain names are really, or the website links are really long. So I bought that as a shortcut. And, you know, as with the expectation of, hey, you know, stop interrupting me for every every question about, everything that is that take that you should remember. And like I said, it used to also say, what would Josh do another shit you should read before asking Josh? <laughs> that was the very first iteration. It stayed like that for a year. And it kind of developed into more. Then I realized like, wait a minute, I can put the handbook up here. I can put troubleshooting guides up here. I can do there's so much I can do. I put the training calendar up there. I have links to the um, the company share folder. I have links to all the documents, the websites, any shortcut links to websites that we frequently visit. I've got a news feed in there now. Being in business for so long as we are, we've dealt with a lot of companies over the years. So anytime they send a price update or there's a product update, which one vendor is constantly innovating, they send like three, four a week. It shows up in the news feed now, not just in an email, but it shows up in our news feed. That was a new trick I just learned. I was pretty excited. Oh, so an actual news feed. So when employees log into the Google site, it's almost like Facebook or something where they get the most recent updated information on the front page. Is Am I understanding yeah. that correctly? It's, it's wow. right on the top, which is just in short links. It's just in email chains, but those emails that come from vendors will populate right into the that news feed sort of thing. I'm able to put our social media feeds are right on the front page as well. So when we're doing posting, everybody can say, well, I saw it. There's no problems for that. It's everything that has to do with our permits because we're constantly pulling permits. Every policy about pulling permits is on there for every jurisdiction. Every jurisdiction is different. They all have their own different software for every township, every county um, has their own process. Oh my um, goodness. That yeah. sounds exhausting. How many yeah. counties do you operate in? Six plus three townships. Oh, goodness. So, you know, all that's written out in these policies. So, like I said, they're easily searchable. The Google Sites is heavily, if you've never used it, it's heavily tied into your Google Drive. And in a way, it's, it's a visual interpretation of what's in your drive. You know, most people know how to navigate a website. 
they don't necessarily know how to navigate a cloud folder. Even though I thought it was pretty intuitive, there's a lot of people who never use Google Drive, but it's just a way to, to visually navigate that. And in there, I have broken up like work. I have a document under office policies. That's the complete call intake process. It's nothing more than a, a workflow that shows, okay, if they say yes, you go here and go here and go here, asking the questions. And every one of those points is backstopped with another Google Doc. So if they have questions about that particular document or question, they can actually click on a link right there and it'll open up the Google Doc that'll backstop that. Rate sheets, brands we service, what's included, like I said, call scripts, workflows, troubleshooting guides, some manufacturer specific, some are generic, depending on the, um, we call it the engine, basically. So just so much information. Um, yeah. I, can park, I can park YouTube videos there. That's something I do frequently. So if it's somebody's YouTube video that explains something really well, I'm like, hell, I'll put it here. I don't care. Like, yeah. it save, saves me from making the video. So I just want to zoom out real quick because we talk a lot about, at least I do, in Service Titan in the content I create. So we did a growth series. We're doing a growth series right now as we're recording this. And um, we're towards the end of it. And the whole concept of this masterclass was it was a weekly masterclass that was teaching you skills as to how to level up your business, right? One topic was specifically on systems and processes and how it's so important to have systems in place that your employees have access to so they can see how the company works. And one question that was asked was, how do I even begin to operationalize this? Like, do I put it in Dropbox? Do I put it in OneDrive? Do I put it in Google Drive? And you've really gone ahead and you've selected the Google option, but you've really zoomed in to what can Google offer me. And I just want to very quickly zoom out one more time, just in case folks aren't familiar with Google Drive. So if you have a Gmail account, you are guaranteed this uh, G Suite that basically gives you access to Google Docs, which is you know Microsoft Word, Google Slides, which is basically PowerPoint, but for Google, Google Sheets, Excel, but for Google, and Google Sites is one of the products that lives within the Google Cloud, right? And so it sounds like this, this site is essentially like a microsite. It's not a website that's accessible by anyone unless you invite them to it, so unless they're in your organization. And you've just essentially documented every single scenario that could happen at Magic Broom or at Tri-County. Yep, and that's the goal. I have a I have a girl I work with. She's actually in the industry that helps me with my office policies and stuff. She goes, one day I'm going to stump you on something that's not written in there. And I'm like, <laughs> good, luck, good luck with that. So I want to also talk a little bit about how you even began to write these documents and to build this website. So Kathy Nielsen, who's been on this podcast and who's done a couple webinars with me, her approach to systems and processes is get the big stuff first, like tackle the processes for the stuff that will stop your business in its tracks in case someone gets hit by a truck or if someone decides not to come to work anymore. How did you start thinking about it for your businesses? Like, do you have a crazy mind map in your brain that was red string connecting to things? Like, did you use index cards? Like, how did you start? Well, start when you're pretty angry at somebody that day. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell that's a good, you good answer. That's that's about ninety percent of them were started with this mf'er, and we're not doing this again. <laughs> oh and, goodness! And a lot of them were written that way. And when I started the uh, journey towards this website, 
you know, I had to go back and look at a few of them like, oh, you were really angry that day. And, and maybe we should change that policy. Just tweak it a little bit because that's when you have your most energy is when someone's just pushed all your buttons that day. And you're like, sure, oh, no. angry t- keyboard typing, you know, swear I'm going to break a keyboard. But that's how <laughs> that's how most of them started. And then, you know, it really became when in your as you're onboarding people, it's like, well, how can I onboard people? Because going back to and getting light bulb moments is what I call them. That's one of the reasons I like the brochures is because when I'm trying to get a customer to that light bulb moment of here's the problem, you know, I'm all about trying to move them there as fast as I can. So we started documenting, doing some video documentation, too, of the processes as well. We'd sit here have the whole we'll have a company meeting about the process i'll record it and i'll post it right there with the um with it these days so there's no well i didn't understand that it's like well why don't you did you listen to the video or anything like that and usually the answer is no so they get tweaked constantly i'm constantly as i learn new things about google sites i'm tweaking things i just revamped the front page last week because i learned some new things that i thought were pretty cool especially for service titan users and you have a price book, your price book is always evolving constantly. And you have to have that same mentality with this. It's like, well, it's never going to be done, but every day we can make it a little bit better. Got it. Oh, very good price book analogy as well. Your price book constantly has to change with material costs, with you manufacturers, if you go, if you get a different vendor, so on and so forth, you got a different service. So same thing to consider with your systems and processes. It's an it will never be done. We all, I, I heard everyone's just, I heard telekinetically in the future when this episode airs, everyone just going, oh man. But yeah, it's true. It's uh, it never, they're constantly evolving. I want to do a quick tangent to onboarding because you mentioned that onboarding a new employee is a really good place to start thinking about these. And that triggered a light bulb for me. Talk to me a little bit about how you onboard now with the Google site up and running and where you use that that fresh set of eyes to maybe tweak or improve the site as it exists today. So the first thing is we always start with the company handbook and hopefully someone other than me reads word for word through the company handbook. That is the main day one focus is learning that and learning the website because more than likely, the answer you're looking for is is in there. And just recently, you know, as we talked uh, a while ago about Google Cloud Search, that is the greatest new find of this year was Google Cloud Search. And just type in a few keywords, you'll probably find it. That is such a great tool because it'll even search PDFs. It'll search Word documents, Google Docs. It searches your email. Like it is the, literally, I can't say enough great things about it. But on the site, because most people aren't using G Suite before they come in here, I have links right at the very top of the page to everything. We use Gchat internally. So there's a Gchat icon. There's uh, the the docs, the sheets, the calendar, the maps, the Google Meet, the Keep Notes. I like that. That's a big one for me. The drive and the Google search icons are all right on the top of the page. So it's like, and Really, and just below the fold is access to the company share folder, which is where, again, where some all these documents exist in a, you know, just a different format. So getting them there and getting them acclimated with that is, is top priority because it literally, there's no reason beyond that on why you didn't know a policy. Because mm. you can look it up 
you can type in one or two keyword searches and you can find what you want very, very quickly. So if you wanna know what do I do after I complete a sale, well, type in complete a sale, another, a document will come up and boom, here's what you do. As a little note for the listeners, Josh told me about Google. It's Google console search, right? Uh, I just started. That's different. That's a different. It's Google cloud search, Google cloud search. He told me about this when uh, we first met and we were talking about what you'd want to discuss on the podcast and Google cloud search has changed my life. I'm a big G suite user. I've been using it for years and uh, searching within Google drive is kind of very frustrating at times, but Google cloud search makes it a lot easier. So I want to thank you for that. Very quickly, as I was like kind of looking back at our our past conversation, I really want to talk about how you have these troubleshooting manuals in the site and those resources for the technicians. You had mentioned that, you know, in some cases you can swap out parts uh, made by different manufacturers for certain things. Have your technicians found that very useful and really helpful on the fly? Does that reduce the amount of calls they send over to a service manager or back to the office if they're kind of stuck in a jam? Yes. And they're the ones who ask for that part cross-reference diagram because I could tell them off the top of my head, like, okay, well, you can use this part on these, you know, six different models of appliances. And they were all like, well, how are we going to learn that? I was like, well, I don't know. I've been doing this forever. Um, Why can't you remember? I just told you. (laughs) and you know most people aren't gonna remember that like i can't remember every house i went to as a service technician but i can remember the weirdest things like oh you have the blue stove with a giant record collection they're like yeah i'm like i could never pitch you pick you out of a lineup but i also remember you had a red tin roof you know things like that i couldn't remember their name or where they live but you start talking to them like oh yeah yeah, yeah, i remember that Mm -hmm. so technicians our mentality is next job next job next job next job so they don't always remember cross-reference stuff, but they're the ones who asked me for that. So I was able to put that. We just did one recently with uh, pellet parts and I put an Excel spreadsheet together for them. And it took me a while. I listed just about most stoves that we've ever sold. And I went through and put, you know, what part numbers go on every one so they can, they can just look at it and go, okay, well, I can use this part. And, you know, it's one less phone call to the office, right? Because that phone call happens, you know, if it happens once, it's going to happen again and it's going to happen again. Yeah, that's increasing efficiency there. And again, a lot of work on the back end just to get it started. But if you stay tuned into the systems and processes, if you stayed into that part cross-reference sheet, then you just slowly add it as you add new vendors or, you know, a new model comes out or something like that. But really interesting, as you were describing that, I, I, I could see you as like a frustrated owner who once was a technician. Uh, there's this Mitch Hedberg, who was a comedian. He had this really funny line that says, go in my head and come back out and tell me that wasn't funny. It's like, go in my head and come back out and you'll know everything that I know. So it sounds like you've really kind of solved that problem of really just taking your brain and putting it into a website, which is why I'm just very excited to talk to you today. Now I'm going to go ahead and assume, I know you use service Titan, your texts have tablets. The Google site, is that super accessible, easy for them to access on the go on their tablet or or on their phone? Yes. It's already optimized for tablets and phones the second you build it. Amazing. So yeah. So you don't have to, again, so there's no really any internet connected device, Apple, Android, PC, or Apple, again, it's accessible. You just have to give them access to it, which everyone has a company email address. 
And as soon as I give them a company email address, that will then give them password protected access to company share folder and the company website. I love that. Really, really cool. Is there anything that other members of your team have asked to be added to the site? Like, was there a specific, you know, system or process a CSR wanted to add or an office manager or any other employees on your team that were like, can you please add this to the site? Well, one of the most recent one was we just revamped again, the, how the office ones looked. And then some of it is like the newsfeed is a way just to not blow up your inbox. Sure. Uh, because that's a huge problem I have personally is, you know, hundreds of un- unlooked at hundreds of unanswered emails. And plus it gets, it gets it in front of everybody. Those updates. I'm trying to think the parts cross-reference was one of them. I think they, they asked for before and after photos. So we have a before and after photo gallery so they can show customers if they're in a home, like, all right, here's jobs we did. So you have a, a photo album. It doesn't matter what device they're on. They can show them. Or if you've got your tablet here, you can open it up on your, because usually you have both when you're with you, you know, I'll open up the photo reel over here. Well, I still got the estimate open over here. So it just, and then like staging ideas for roofs, because we're always, you know, staging roofs. Anytime someone posts a photo online, like I snatch that up of different roof staging ideas and I put it in there just so the guys were like, okay, well, I'm not sure I'm going to stage this. I'm like, all right, well, let's look through the photos and let's see if someone else has done it before. Mm, Um, Very nice. Very cool. Very cool. I also imagine that all those brochures we were talking about before are also backed up and in a folder within the site. Yes, they're all right on the top level for for the text to email it if they need to email one, but they are, they're actually large. What are they? Eight by 17 or no, eight by 25s. I think they're very large trifolds is what we've moved to. So I like to put that in front of a customer because I realized as I got older and you start watching the customers and they're getting that, doing that, moving the paper back and forward to their (laughs) face thing. I'm like, that's not really comfortable to be doing that. Sure. So they went from eight and a half by 11 trifold to a eight by 25 trifold. Oh, so we, nice. you know, I increased the size of them dramatically larger pictures. Just one of those things you learn from doing them because I've been doing them for almost 15 years. Those brochures. Very cool. Very cool. All right. We have, um, I want to pivot to YouTube. So mm-hmm. talk to me a bit about the kind of success you've had on that platform. And uh, just again, Google owns YouTube, so obviously very easy to embed Google videos into a Google site, uh, yeah, YouTube videos into a Google site. It is incredibly easy to do that. You just literally two clicks of a button, and there's actually a, a place just to embed. It says embed YouTube video right here. So the videos I make are, there's first, there's training videos, which are, here's how we diagnose this specific part. Like here's the multimeter. We all use the same multimeter and we'll take a 60 second video with my cell phone in my office and a multimeter just going and a lighter just going, okay, here's how we did this. And, or here's how we do this, or we'll go into the showroom and I'll have reps make videos on not so much, but a camcorder and how to set up in a unit the best way. And it takes me, you know, two minutes to post that up on YouTube after he's done. And then instead of my guy trying to look at a black and white two-dimensional photo, that's maybe two inches by two inches. Now he's got, you know, a full color video in front of his face. The other kinds of videos I make are 
get the customer to go away videos is the best way I can describe them. Get the customer to go away videos. Um, there's, there's a brand of pellet stoves we sell. And where I went large with my brochures, they went very small with their manuals. So where they take an eight and a half by 11, fold it in half, and then shrink their, their manuals down to like number six font. <laughs> well, no one reads that. So we were getting callbacks, callback after callback after callback. So one day I just sat here with the camcorder and, and all of it was, was because they didn't pay attention during the orientation of the appliance. And, you know, we have to go back out there and show them a second time. Well, that's, it's not a warranty call, but it's a goodwill call, right? So you're not charging the customer for that, but it still costs me money. So one day I went in the showroom, I put the camcorder up and I went to town. I just showed little, just cut through. I showed cleaning the stove. I showed how to adjust the air shutter. I showed how to operate the control board all in a, a video. I paid a guy on five or 50 bucks to voice it over. And, you know, whenever you type in cozy pelt stoves, it's the number one search result because of it. Another video is people always think, well, they're wood stoves. I mean, we get, I can't tell you at least probably a dozen phone calls a year from someone again, who doesn't pay to their pay attention to their orientation. And they literally will smoke up their entire house. And depending on the panic level of that customer, they'll call the fire department. The fire department goes, well, there's something wrong with your stove. I'm like, mm, that's not the case. Um, so one day we, you know, we burn appliances here in our showroom. I waited for our chimney to have a very cold draft and I intentionally smoked out the entire, you know, 10,000 square, square foot showroom. Like, Oh my goodness. Uh, you could see me, I'm coughing on the video. Oh, um, God. and I'm just standing there. I'm like, I'm taking it, but I'm like, this is what'll happen. And the, the appliances raised up at that time, probably three feet. So it's sitting there and I'm seeing a waterfall of smoke come out of the bottom of the unit, literally like a fog machine, like a dry ice fog machine. And it's just rolling down the unit like a waterfall. And just, just so I can show people like, no, this is what it's going to happen when you don't do X, Y, and Z first. And that's actually not only on our, our, our inner site or, or whatever you call it, your internal website, but it's also, we have a knowledge base page on our, on both websites for both companies on just how to start their website and, and the effects of it. And the video is like a year old, but you can already see it's, it's starting to trend upwards as far as likes and views. And it's a little, um, I'll admit it's sometimes a little long winded. It's like a 10 minute video, but it really shows this is what's going to happen when you, when you don't do this. And I have people on there thanking me for making that video because it's calmed them down from again, calling the fire department or, What's, what am I doing wrong or sure. um, things like that? And it's literally, so I show them like, oh, no, you take a propane torch or you roll up some newspaper or, you know, this is really how you get it going. But in case you didn't get it going, this is what's going to happen. And no, there's not something wrong with your stove because I'm going to come out there. I'm going to look at you cross on. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z like I was supposed to. And they're like, Ooh. and again, you lose money because it's a goodwill call. And the fire department's always almost never our friends because they all think, <laughs> In our industry, there's mostly volunteers, and they're trained on putting out fires and not starting fires. Where I'm into sure. starting fires safely, they're into putting out fires. So their first thing is whenever they come into a house full of smoke, they're going to rip out your appliance. They're going to look all over everything. They're going to try and find the fire. The fire's inside the, the stove where it was supposed to be. It's just the smoke wasn't going where it was supposed to be. 
from that description, I'm imagining there may have been a couple instances in your past where you've had to reinstall appliances that firefighters have taken out. Yes. <laughs> oh boy. All right. So I want to, there was a bunch of really great nuggets in what you just described with YouTube. I think that we've talked about YouTube a bit on this podcast and a lot of people get a little, I think, intimidated when they talk about YouTube because they're like, it has to be good quality. It has to be good quality. You just straight up said, I shot this with my phone. I got a friend of mine to voice over it for 50 bucks. Like it does not have to be high quality as long as the video is sharing the message that consumers will find useful. It'll still increase in ranking and it will still, I mean, the cozy pellet stove, like you said, is still num- is the number one search because no one else has thought to make a video on cozy pellet stoves for that particular instance. So I would challenge anyone listening in any industry. This is probably something that you want to invest in. The next thing I want to talk about is you really through YouTube, you've found a solution to callbacks. Well, most common callbacks, I should say. Mm-hmm. So since like setting up that knowledge base on your website, since providing your customers with these follow-up videos for when they don't pay attention to their new product orientation, have you seen a significant dip in callbacks of that type? For Cozy, it was instantly 90%. Wow. Instantly. Just because, as I say, I'm the world's best hand model, even though I had nitro gloves on. And I'm, But I'm literally just, you know, going through and pushing buttons, making sure here's how we orient this piece. Make sure this piece is in here. Make sure it's seated properly. Here's what it looks like when it's not burning correctly. Here's a couple different shots of that, a couple different ways. And here's the way it looks proper. So just by doing that, and it was a four-minute video, it was way more informative than trying to read a manual and it instantly reduced callbacks. And the same thing with the wood stove one. Um, we get all sorts of calls about, you know, my stove's not heating. It's like, well, what, and you start talking to things about your, your wood supply. And well, my wood guy said it was dry. And I'm like, let me tell you something. That one guy likes to eat just like you do. And if he told everyone that his wood wasn't dry in January, he'd starve to death. Like, there's a reality here. Like if he sold out in October and he still needs to eat November, December, January, February, March, April, you know, he's going to tell you it's, it's wet. Like unless it's been cut in season two years by yourself, then, you know, but all those videos and I even make again, more brochures about getting started with wood, even explaining about, I have um, a selectory diagram about the different materials that we, that can be used in the chimney systems. So lots of different things there, but just to really, again, educate what's going on there. I love that. That's really cool. I love just the subtle pivot from looking at YouTube as a recruiting tool, a prospecting tool, which we've looked at it about, which I think we've examined it on this podcast before, but more of an education tool. And if folks are interested, check out the Roger Wakefield episode from season two, I believe, where he really talks about educating the customers through YouTube. Have you ever had a customer or a new customer come in and say, oh yeah, I've seen your videos online? Actually, yeah, I have. Who's been in... Usually it's someone who's been on our website poking around. Like, oh, you're the guy from the videos. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, thank you. <laughs> you know, I'm not doing it, obviously, for recognition. I'm, I'm doing it. So, they'll, you know, I don't have to do these goodwill calls. So I'm very oh. selfish in that, in that regard. Oh, so you don't have a, a drawer filled with signed headshots to get out when people no. 
Okay. Well, maybe an opportunity later. I have a couple more questions I want to, I would love you to answer, Josh, and the, the two big ones coming up. One right now, looking back at your career, and obviously you've, you've been ingratiated in the chimney space for almost your whole life. Looking back at your career, what would you have had done differently if you had the knowledge you have now back when you first started or even five, 10 years ago? I certainly wish I'd started on the Google Sites journey a while ago, just because sharing information across a company is it's always a very difficult task. And it's like when you know we have between the retail store and the service department, this hand doesn't know what the other hand's doing. So that would be one of my first things. I would have gotten out of a truck sooner, out of a truck sooner. That would have been another one I wish I'd done. I was in a truck, I think, way too long. Or, yeah. or trying to run the be in a truck and run the business too was is a big or the big ones. But you know, I, one of the reasons I, I'm trying to get everybody always to row in the same direction, and that's a great thing I can do. Is like, well, when all the information is shared across the company, it's like there's no excuse for why are you rowing upstream and everybody's rowing downstream. Mm, got it. What was the um, kick in the butt you got that actually finally got you out of the truck? I'm always curious. I fell off a roof. Did you really? Yeah, I didn't get hurt. Well, oh, thank goodness. Which is interesting. I I bounced, but I have a friend who just fell from the same height, and he shattered his ankle and his wrist and broke a few of his ribs too. Oh my goodness! And there's other stories where people dying from that from that same height. And it's literally when you're a chimney sweep and you're on roofs every single day, I could reach the gutter with my hand. Like that's like walking upstairs. Like I don't even think about it. I set the ladder up. I knew what I was thinking. Like I'm trying to get up. Here's the shallow pitch roof. And I'm going to use the shallow pitch roof as a platform to run up the steep pitch roof and not, not paying one attention to where I'm actually setting the ladder. Mm. And I got up to the top and the ladder kicked out from underneath me. And I just remember waking up, and the customer standing over my face and I'm seeing stars. And I remember an image of my old football coach, you know, when I got the wind knocked out of me telling, you know, when I was panicking, cause I couldn't breathe telling me short, shallow, rapid breath, short, shallow, rapid breath. I just remember Mr. Carrington's face, like right here in my face, like inches away, screaming at me to tell me, telling me how to breathe again. And that's what I remembered. And then, you know, Fortnite I went and got checked out and the doc in the ER is looking at me like, dude, like, and I was drove myself to the hospital and he's like, dude, like you shouldn't be walking right now. Oh I was like, yeah, my goodness. knee hurts. I was like, my knee hurts a little bit, but, um, that's cause the ladder fell on it, you know, but I thought, you know, I tore my knee or something like that, but, and then just, so, I mean, I still worked on, I still did it for a few more months after that and probably another year, but there's early time to, to get out of the field and stop putting out fires every day. Got it. Got it. Thank you for sharing that, by the way. I'm sure everyone has some, some version of that, of that exact same story. You know, you, when you're climbing in attics all day, when you're dealing with the reality of plumbing, when you're climbing on roofs, you get so used to it because you do it every day. And then all of a sudden, oh crap, I forgot to do this very important safety thing. Very early on in the conversation, you mentioned the Brick Institute of American Standards, BIAS, which I love as their uh, moniker. But do you work with any best practices organizations or any other type of business development group to kind of help to help coach you in any way? I do work with two industry coaches, sort of, mainly so I can bounce ideas off when or they talk me off the edge. 
now that I have, I've also have four kids now. So traveling is more difficult for me than before. So I don't get to always go to seminars like I used to, or, you know, I really have to plan my time off and make the best of it. And two of the best books I've read are um, the first one that I always, that I, read, I remember reading was the E-Myth mm. was about, you know, which is really put you on that SOP journey of documenting everything. And I was like, crap, I learned more here reading this one book that I did four years of college about how to run a business. Yep. Um, and then the one I'm currently reading that I'm really enjoying right now is They Ask You Answer about, and I noticed a company I just contracted with, they do that. Like literally they do that. And I'm like, oh, you have all the answers on your website, but we can still pay you. And here I am paying you, you know? And it's like, okay, well, these guys know what they're talking about. And that's on that same thing that I'm doing is I'm alleviating pain points for me, but giving the answers to the customer and I guess really improving my search, but what that does when someone, then we're going to start writing more blogs and things like that. And what it really like, why does this cost so much? You know, cause in my industry, you know, like we explained in the beginning, you, you know, some of the materials can be a commodity, you know, they can find them online, but the reps in my industry will tell you it's an 80, 20 rule, like 20% of the chimney companies do it, you know, above board and to the letter of you know, the code and 80 of them are just, Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Let's get in, get out. And, you know, they don't really do all the work that is necessary. It's like, well, does the chimney still work? Kind of, but is it right? No. Got it. So there's a real cut through. And most of the people that are in my market, I have one good competitor, but most of them are people I've fired for different reasons. Dang. That started their own, you know, single truck operations. So, and they don't, you know, the realtors love them because they, you know, they get paid a little bit money and stuff gets missed and, or the realtors know they do a bad job. And well, I had the chimney inspected, so not to throw all realtors under the bus, but there is some good ones. So that's kind of what the market looks like. It's like, well, you can either be the guy I fired or you can, or you can work for us or you work for, like I said, I have one, one competitor in my market that does above board work. That's awesome. They ask you answer. That's the name of the book. Yes. Which is it's currently tucked in my hunting book bag. Um, Love it. Any other books that really come to mind in terms of what helped grow you and as a business person and as a leader? Those were the two. Like I said, that e-myth really puts you on that SOP journey of how do they find the answer? Yeah, I agree. I have the copy of the e-myth right to the left of me. Uh, that book is um, that book was instrumental for me understanding the way a service business can be run and super profitable. I have a couple rapid fire questions for you, Josh. Thank you again for your time. This has been great, but the way these work, just first thing that comes to mind when I ask them, are you ready? Mm -hmm. How do you take your coffee? Cream and sugar. If you could have dinner with one person dead or alive, who would it be? Well, I'd miss my grandfather. Mm, Nice. What's the number one thing you're trying to learn more about right now? Business by the numbers, really. Which if is money. Go for it. I say I, for a guy with a degree in accounting, it's still the daily grind of running the business by the numbers is hard. Well, I'm glad that at least you're having some difficulty with it because it doesn't make me feel so bad about my math illiteracy. If money weren't an object, so you had unlimited resources. What's the first thing you would do? Oh, I'd buy a giant hunt camp in the middle of nowhere. Nice. What's the number one thing every contractor must do to run a successful business? Oh, that's a tough one. 
I guess really know your numbers and how to build proper estimates really and truly. Yeah. That's actually know your numbers is, is I think the, I should do a, a, a score to see what the top answer of that is, but know your numbers is very popular. So you're, you're Man. a very good company in thinking that family feud style. Yeah. Family feud style. Exactly. Josh Kelly, thank you so much for being a guest on toolbox for the trades. Thank you very much for having me. Ever wonder how much your business is worth? So many owners ask that question and have no idea where to turn for an answer. In just a few clicks, Service Titan's new Service Business Valuation Calculator can give you an easy and free estimate of the current value of your business. Whether you're thinking about selling your company or looking to track growth, check it out now. Visit servicetitan.com slash value. Again, that's servicetitan.com slash value. See how much your business is worth today. Want to network with fellow service entrepreneurs and former guests of this podcast? Join our private Facebook group, Toolbox for the Trades, to get immediate access to the best tips, tricks, and tactics from fellow service entrepreneurs. Visit facebook.com slash group slash toolbox for the trades, or click the link in our show notes to join. See you online.